off. Welcome everybody to Contemplating Pop Culture Pokemon. This is a rebranding of our uh, pop culture and theology. We renamed it Contemplating Pop Culture and our first of the year is about Pokemon. And we will talk a little bit about why we chose that here in a little bit. Uh, but so these are opportunities for us to dive into pop culture phenomenons to like look for some deeper ideas, some deeper themes, things that we could maybe learn about, um, things that are unique to that that pop culture phenomenon that something we could uh, learn from. And so it's just a chance for us to develop these skills of engaging uh, popular culture and learning to look for interesting information from it uh, and to use pop culture to help us grow uh, as individuals. And so uh, I'm really excited for our first session. We do have a couple of ground rules that are a little bit less um, less needed in this setting where it's a bit more uh, of just kind of being nerds for an hour. Uh, but this is an educational space, practice respect. This is a liberatory space. We don't debate issues of oppression. We'll center voices of marginalized communities as best as we're able and uh, keep discussion on topic. That being said, uh, the structure is that our special guest Anjum Chowdhury and I uh, we'll be kind of just talking back and forth for a little bit, and then we will open up for questions and discussion time after we turn off the recording at the end. And so that is our general structure uh, for the event. And so for anybody who may not know me, my name is Ember Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. Uh, I use she and her pronouns. Uh, and I have been playing Pokemon since I got my first Game Boy Color uh, back in the day with Pokemon Red. It was the it was the purple Game Boy Color that you could like see through. I really miss that aesthetic of like the 90s. Uh, it was it was a, a good time for technology when everything had the see through so you could see all of the parts inside. And I had the purple one because purple was always my favorite color. And I picked red because Charizard seemed slightly cooler than uh, Blastoise on the, on the blue uh, cartridge. And so I have been a Pokemon fan since the 90s. It has uh, long been an obsession of mine and currently in attendance at this event, if you're watching it later on YouTube or in podcast form, uh, is my own son who I'm also raising to be a giant Pokemon nerd uh, who regularly reads uh, Pokemon books for fun. Uh, and so it is now a cross-generational nerdy effort for us uh, to love Pokemon. And so, Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself and just tell us all a little bit about your love of Pokemon and also uh, for maybe listeners later on in the video or podcast format, uh, what, uh, what is Pokemon if they don't know anything about Pokemon? If someone is a complete newbie, what is Pokemon? Sure thing. Hi, my name is Anjum Chaudhry. And I also had the purple see-through Game Boy Color, but I had Pokemon Blue. And I've been playing that since I think I was four years old. It taught me how to read, which has been a very helpful lifelong skill. And I started watching the anime as soon as it came out in America. So that was when I was two years old. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then for what is Pokemon, Pokemon is the global phenomenon that has taken the world by storm since 1996. Uh, it is a very cross-media um, entertainment franchise with the games, the anime, the manga, obviously, 
all the toys that we all have. Um, so yeah, we thought that it was a great uh, franchise to explore since it's touched our world in so many ways. Um, there are a lot of different avenues for us to talk about the big questions. So does that explain at all what Pokemon is? <laughs> I think so. You know, it's, it's a game about catching animals and uh, sometimes being their friends and sometimes battling them. Uh, you know, that's, that's the other key things. But yes, there's TV shows, there's cards, there's stuffed animals that, you know, we made sure to like set up our, our Zoom calls tonight so that we were prepared with, with Pokemon in the frame. Uh, and, you know, if you got your own Pokemon stuff at home, you know, feel free to, to tell us about it in the comments or show us in your screens right now. Uh, you know, we're always good for some extra Pokemon. I do not have any Pokemon tattoos, though I have thought about that one. Um, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> I have to... I have a great love for Sandshrew, um, but we can talk about our favorite Pokemon as we as we kind of dive in. And one of the reasons that I thought it would be interesting to discuss like the, the religious, philosophical, kind of deeper ideas of Pokemon is that uh, as a kid, I, um, for, for a brief moment of time, my parents very quickly gave in after I got obsessed with the TV show and the video game and then looked at all the cards. Uh, but at the school I went to, uh, Pokemon was like evil. You weren't supposed to um, interact with it because like the cards represented Satan. Like there was certain imagery like this, the thing on his head was the mark of the beast. I was from this very fundamentalist background. Uh, and so Pokemon in the beginning when it was first was coming out and especially in the nineties with like uh, the Christian American culture being very white had this kind of backlash. It was like, this is a foreign, weird, not, not okay with Christianity sort of concept, um, but it did not stop most of the kids that I knew from, from playing it. Um, Andrew, did you experience any of that world of the religious back, backlash against, um, against Pokemon at all? That definitely missed me. I don't think that I interacted with anyone who wasn't either like a big fan of Pokemon or just like totally neutral towards Pokemon. Um, I grew up UU, so I Aaron. remember my Pokemon toys to the UU church and playing with them during the times that it was okay to play. So that was my experience. Perhaps we need to get some Pokemon card sets for playing at church. This is ideas for later. Um, one of my proudest moments is that I um, got, I graduated in 2006 to give everybody a frame of reference. Uh, and I got a Game Boy because it was still pretty easy to get like a Game Boy Color at that time. It was only like one generation old. The DS had just come out, graduated high school uh, in 2006 uh, from the chats there. And so um, I, I got one of the Game Boys and I was playing uh, Pokemon Red as I w was sitting up on the stadium for, or up on the podiums for graduation because they like had us all up on stage and like bleachers on the stage and uh, I just sat there playing Pokemon the entire time so you know really really proud moments of my graduation I turned up the volume a few times just to see if like the microphones would pick it up and play it throughout the whole uh, auditorium I don't think it did but uh, it, it earned me the reputation um, and uh, I also do regret um selling uh, for $75 at the time, my first set of Pokemon cards. I wish I had them to give to Jude instead. Um, you know, it was 
this may be a bit of a mistake. I, I got $75 and my sister sold hers and got tickets to go see NSYNC play baseball, um, which was slightly more unique, I suppose. It was at least a unique experience. Um, and um, so uh, you, you know, I gotta, gotta furnish my, my Pokemon cred because I you know, don't have a, a t-shirt and quite as much uh, Pokemon street cred as Andrew here. Um, <laughs> when when I when I thought of who to have do this conversation with me, I, like I instantly knew that there was one person that knew Pokemon well uh, that I had to have for this conversation. Um, <laughs> That's the reputation that I want. <laughs> you know, I, it's a good reputation to have, I think. Yeah. Um, so as we were preparing on Zoom, we talked a little bit about like that Pokemon does have religious connections to like the world of Shintoism. Uh, it's something you've done maybe a little bit more digging into than I have. Um, what, like, what have you learned about in terms of that like kind of connection? Um, yeah, so Shintoism is one of the main religions in Japan and it has a lot of relation that you can see to Pokemon, um, whether it's intentional or not, we don't necessarily know. But um, Shintoism is a polytheistic religion that has a lot of ties to nature. And so Pokemon arguably can be seen as polytheistic in multiple ways. You have Pokemon that seem to have divine abilities, whether it be abilities of creation or, you know, just the ability to like manipulate water and stuff like that. Um, and there are lots of Pokemon that are based on spirits, um, some that are very similar to the Kami, which are Shinto gods. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of ties there. Um, we just, yeah, don't know how purposeful it is, but it's definitely interesting to look into. Right, and I mean, so, you know, that's kind of uh, one of those things that like, uh, where Shintoism is very ingrained in the culture. So Pokemon, you know, whether, whether they're maybe necessarily um, making these connections like on purpose, it's something that they're used to in terms of the general uh, mythos that people understand, sort of like how uh, most people in the United States are familiar with like different stories from Christianity because it's what they hear all the time. It's the Christmas holiday they celebrate or uh, things like that, even if they aren't necessarily Christian themselves. Like it's one of those things that, it gets really into the, um, like the, the cultural framework. And so, I mean, like, it seems like Pokemon definitely, um, you know, while it's hugely popular in America, like it's, it's popular worldwide and it's huge, huge uh, in Japan. Like, you know, it's, it's even equally possibly more popular there. And it's, you know, I, a bit of a cross-cultural experience, I suppose. Um, yeah, sometimes there are a lot of Pokemon that are inspired directly from Japanese culture, um, whether it be mythology, um, which you'll see in a lot of like the more spooky Pokemon, the ghost Pokemon, some of the dark type Pokemon um, are based on like mythological tricksters and spirits. Um, and then, of course, some are like native animals and the like. Um, you can tell, like, if you research any Pokemon, you'll find like all the different ideas that went into the design, into the name, it's all very intentional. Um, and not just Japanese culture, of course, because there are different regions that are for New York and New Jersey and for Hawaii and um, 
Britain and France. So yeah. Which which one is New Jersey? Unova is New York and New Jersey. Because you oh, have yeah. like Manhattan and then like Brooklyn and New Jersey. Man, I'm gonna have to like go replay things with like this this fresh new perspective. Like, yeah, you'll have to look at the map. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Is it like a is is the New Jersey half a, a desolate wasteland? I don't remember it like. I don't you know. know. <laughs> there is a desert in Unova, and I'm like, I haven't seen a desert around here, but there has to be a desert in every region, right? So, right. Well, so they do try and give each region like a little bit of a of a different culture, like uh, Galar, the the most recent one in Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, is like loosely British, with maybe a little Scottish influence in there too, and. Like uh, um, mainly that just means that like some of the Pokemon are now wearing top hats or um, <laughs> you know, look like knights, like a uh, surfetched, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but so they, they do try and give like the different regions a little bit of like different culture and different, um, yeah, like different different cultures. I guess would be the simplest way to say it. Um, you know, and like you said, man. New Jersey, New Jersey in a Pokemon game. Little did I know. Oh, um, how did it do at, it? <laughs> at, at the time I was playing those ones, I, I did not know much about New Jersey yet. There um, actually is also a region based like loosely on Arizona. It's the one that I believe is in hmm. Pokemon Coliseum. That one is a desolate wasteland like Arizona. <laughs> I mean, fair, fair. Um, well, and you had the one that was based loosely off of France or Paris, and, like France and that was XY, if I remember right. And yeah, that's one that was based off of Hawaii um, with uh, the one that I'm totally, uh, Moon at Moon and uh, Sun and Moon. Uh-huh. Sun and, moon. Um, and yeah, I mean, so it's really interesting that they try and uh, make this world very, very lived in. Uh, but like you said, it also has an afterlife. Um, there's also a bit of a, of a, a lore of existence of of ghosts of like spirity type Pokemon, like is is there an afterlife in Pokemon on Like what do we? Yeah, some of the ghost Pokemon, if you look at like their Pokedex entries, they're particularly spooky for a children's game. I would say, because um, some ghost Pokemon are said according to the Pokedex, which I'm not quite sure is actually a reliable resource, but that's kind of another conversation. Um, Some of these Pokemon are kind of reincarnated humans even that then like turned into Pokemon in the afterlife. So that supposedly according to the Pokedex is a thing. Um, And there is a canonical spirit world to which ghost Pokemon can sort of travel between there and earth at will, it seems. So yeah, lots of alternate dimensions and the like in Pokemon. Right, well, and you have like some that like, you know, have like certain function. What is, there, there was one that like, um, gosh, I, I have to have it right in front of me, but like that it's, it did like have a certain like scaring function that like, then it would like do something with the soul. And um, I mean, it's so weird to think like this idea that like some of them, like, how, like, how does, like, what is, you know, to take the killers instead of are we human or are we dancer? 
are we human or are we Pokemon? Like if they can just become Pokemon after death, what is what is a Pokemon exactly? That is a question that some people explore. There is a theory that humans are Pokemon as well due to like, if you look at the anime, the ability that humans in that world have to like withstand electrocution and other various physical things that we certainly could never survive. Um, so there's an idea that they, you know, can't necessarily use attacks, but like have some of the same like defensive mechanisms as Pokemon. Hmm. And then some humans do seem to have some ability. You have like the psychic class of trainer that um, seem to have like telekinetic abilities. So maybe, maybe we are, who knows? Humans are just the most populated Pokemon. Hmm. That one I think <laughs> seems practi practical for real life. Um, <laughs> you are Pokemon. Uh, this is the lesson for tonight. Um, so, theory. I love the fan theories. If if we were in Pokemon on Zoom, would there be a Unitarian Universalist church for us to go to? Um, is the do, do you think does religion ex seem to exist in the Pokemon world? You know, like some worlds they like try and like kind of when they're creating these worlds they do like kind of write religion in there sometimes more sloppy than others um but at least in my experience like there's no specifically like it's not like anybody in any of the worlds has like gone to church mm -hmm. you know like they have like the lavender town that's haunted and creepy mm -hmm. but um in graveyards but it doesn't seem like anybody's like going to church yeah um i've never seen evidence of a contemporary church in the Pokemon games. I will say in the anime, there is Santa Claus. So, and he's a real person. So, Pokemon? Everywhere. So there oh, is that the... light hint. Shrines, they do have shrines. Like there's the Elix shrine. Um, in the Elix forest, that's like a shrine to Celebi, who is the voice of the forest. Um, so yeah, that thing about spirits again, um, there's definitely that. But of course, when you think religion in Pokemon, for me at least, I think of Arceus or Arceus, as I believe it is canonically pronounced now, they've shifted that one and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> um, who a lot of people see as like, a god Pokemon, a like god of creation kind of Pokemon. Um, Arceus is said to have like been born out of like an egg of nothingness and then created the Pokemon universe. Um, if I remember my Arceus theology <laughs> correctly. Um, so you definitely have that side of like a somewhat like theoretical canonical creation myth um, with other Pokemon who play into that. You have um, like Mesprit and Uxie and Azel who are like then deities of what is it? Emotion and wisdom and emotion wisdom. There's one other one. <laughs> um, but then you have Mew who supposedly contains the genetic information for all Pokemon. And so is also seen as like possibly a more like scientific leading um, like origin myth 
for Pokemon. Mm. So there are these kind of theological arguments canonically um, that exist in the universe. That's what canonically means. <laughs> right. No, I think that makes sense. Like, and yes, I mean, there's shrines, like, except instead of like two religious figures, it's two like religious reverence for some certain Pokemon. Like mm -hmm. in um, Sword and Shield is, you know, the most recently one that I played. So that's like one that is my most recent frame of reference. Uh, and, you know, they have their legendary Sword and Shield Pokemon that supposedly helped avert the darkest day um, from, yes. from like destroying the whole world. And, um, and there's, there's Eternatus who like was going to devour the entire world. And um, yeah. so you, you also have like a couple of these ones that are very destructive Pokemon or like in the um, originals, even before, like, I don't think they were even necessarily in the original games, but in the original anime, you had like the legendary birds. Yeah. Um, in and movie, you have the shrines to the three original birds, Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres, and then Lugia, and you have this island um, that seems to have this whole like religious leaning festival towards um, these bird Pokemon and their powers and like Lugia's overarching power to like quell them all, which, you know, ends up coming fully true with like the chosen one Ash Ketchum being the chosen one in that movie. It's a very, very good movie. 10 out of 10 recommend. Uh, Ash, the Jesus figure. Um, is, that what he's the, yeah. <laughs> is that what I was saying? <laughs> well, if he's the chosen one, I'm, I'm thinking about how in, um, in the most recent one when he's near death and he hears Pikachu talking to him and in plain uh, English in the, in the dub version at least. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe maybe Ash Ketchum is. That's why he never like. And maybe he's got some level of of secret powers because he's never aged in all this time. And um, he's kind of overcome death multiple times. You know, no spoilers for the movie that came out like twenty two years ago. But in the first movie, obviously, he turns to stone and then he comes back to life. I assume that stone was some kind of death so you would think um or would... you you even have uh in more recent uh detect pikachu hashtag spoilers um that the uh the pokemon and the humans emerge and that mewtwo the creation from you does this to like save save a, a human person from dying so like he puts them uh in in Pikachu's body, but like takes his memory and uh, check it out. If you haven't seen Detective Pikachu, uh, it's it's worth being a Pokemon nerd for. Um, well, Mewtwo also a very interesting topic because like if you look at you know religion through this lens of creation and that like whatever makes Ar Arceus or Mew godly is like their ability of creation. You have Pokemon who are canonically created by humans. Of course, Mewtwo is like the most obvious example, but you also have type null um, slash Savali or Savali, yeah. <laughs> um, all, pro all pronunciation goes for tonight. Where you leave, leave something in the comments or in the chat if you hate our pronunciation. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll try better next time. <laughs> but yeah, so Mewtwo is genetically created by, by humans to be like, 
the perfect Pokemon and to be able to supersede it. So you do have like this science, well, or you have uh, Porygon who like was made mm-hmm. for like being basically a computer Pokemon. Um, so you have yeah. like you, these religious ones, but you do also have like the science Pokemon uh, in some sense as well. Yeah. And so it's like if humans can bestow life to these entirely new beings, you know, what does that say then? I don't know. That might be above my pay grade. <laughs> that is for everybody to figure out what does that mean? If What <laughs> what does creating life, uh, new forms of life, what would that mean? Um, yeah. Well, so interestingly with like this idea of like creating new Pokemon and stuff, as somebody who's played since the early generations, like that, that first one was you catch these things, you fight with them, you win. Like that, that was it. Uh, but in the more recent ones, it's like, oh, which ones are your friends? And like, who is it that you have special bonds with? And how do you care for them? Don't you want to go camping with them and feed them and pet them and play with them? And so there's been a bit of an evolution to you know, Pokemon evolution. So, <laughs> um, there's a whole. We didn't even put that one in our topics. So was talking about evolution and how they change. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, like this whole, there's been a huge change since like the first game. Uh, like, in, and even in the first like anime, there was like Pikachu that he was particular that Ash was particularly close to, but that was like the exception. Uh, of like everybody else just their Pokemon was their thing they fought with like maybe they kind of liked them but nobody was like friends with their mm-hmm. their Pokemon and so that's like a little bit of a change like what is the relationship besides besides whether humans are Pokemon what is like are they are they friends are they just fighting what is what do you think yeah I think that you can see that progression especially um in the games with like the rival characters because like in Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, you have um, Blue Oak or like the Gary kind of character um, who definitely has like a bad attitude and um, supposedly, you know, he's not as nice and perhaps doesn't have the bond to his Pokemon that you as Red or whatever you named your character, I named him Ash because I've never been original in that way. And then in the more recent games, you have um, much more happy-go-lucky rival characters who are very supportive to, like, you and your journey as, like, your very special because of your bond with Pokemon um, is made very clear in the very simple narrative plots. (laughs) Um, So I think that that could come from a lot of places. It could come from, like, backlash from people, like, you know, organizations that are against animal abuse who have taken umbrage with Pokemon as supposedly glorifying animal abuse, which is a whole argument that some people have taken the time to make. Um, But I don't know, I think it's about like some of the different ethics that Pokemon wants to foster once it, um, you know, companies have to take more responsibility for their users once they get to be a certain size. And so they want to be like this goodly product that parents want to buy for their kids because it has these Mm. positive influences besides just teaching them how to read. They um, 
want it to teach good ethics to their kids as well. So I think that that kind hearted nature, right. I feel like that's where it comes from. And probably a good bit of it's also like the technological limitations. There's only so much they could do in terms of storytelling and dynamics um, in the in the early um, games, except they did have, you know, the little like Pikachu pedometer that you could like get and you could bring Pikachu with you everywhere you went. Um, that was like Gen 4. <laughs> oh, come on. That was like the first generation. I well, remember... In Pokemon Yellow, you have Pikachu follow behind you, but that extra little like pedometer thing, that was Gen 4. I guarantee See, it. This is Mandela effect. That's so that we can have a whole separate conversation here that I remember <laughs> this differently. Um, but uh, they they had a little bit more leeway in their storytelling that they can tell stories that are about friendship versus like, hey, we're just really trying to get people to try out this game. Like we want them to be able to fight the other Pokemon. Um, but like, and I mean, so now you have um, people who, there's a whole controversy when Pokemon Sword and Shield launched because they cut down, instead of having like, 1,000 total Pokemon, they like cut it down and people were angry because they wanted to keep trading their favorite Pokemon that they've had for game after game after game after game. They wanted to trade them up and keep them going. Um, so, and to, to some extent, people have developed uh, relationships in real life with these, with these Pokemon. Like this is something that they have um, developed real actual relationships with this technological character um, on their on their video game that they say um, this I, I want to keep I, I first played with this character in a game 15 years ago and I want to keep bringing him into all the new versions and um, so people have developed relationships or maybe they get stuffed animal versions of said uh, Pokemon like people hu uh, humans in our our world <laughs> Uh, have formed these attachments to uh, to Pokemon, as well as the the I, I, you know I wonder if it's to some level that that because we all in real life started like getting attached with like oh this is my favorite Pokemon I want to stuff in a little bit I want like to pretend it's my pet um, that suddenly they're like oh, maybe we should do more than just have them kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's interesting when, you know, what the fans want is, or what the fans expect is different from company goals, because definitely you'll see that with, like, the company had specific reasons for wanting to, like, cut down on however many Pokemon were in the game, and it does make sense, but we all, I mean, so many people now play Pokemon, you know, out of nostalgia. Of course, they're always trying to prioritize um the, the new generation that's coming in because these are like new kids that are going to buy the new products and so on and so forth. Um, and they've always been a reliable market. Whereas, you know, once people hit like age 12, they kind of start to like come and go. Um, so like logically I can understand that, um, how they're always trying to do different things. You can see that even in the older games, um, just like to go into a little Pokemon history, if you don't mind. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay, so of course, um, with the original games, uh, the Pokemon company did not know how those were gonna go. They had no idea how popular the games were going to be. And um, that was even into 
the creation of Gen 2 as well. Um, Pokemon wasn't yet like the global phenomenon that like we know it is now and like feel like it always has been. Um, but then it was gaining popularity and they wanted to put more effort into the Gen 3 games into like telling the story that they thought had value, which is funny because I feel like we as consumers of Generation 3, which is the one with Team Aqua and Team Magma, um, don't give a lot of credit to those teams because their arguments are like, we want to take over the world so we can make it all water. And we want to take over the world so we can make it all land. It's not a very logical argument, but that game was very intentionally created to talk about very real climate change implications that were happening at the time in Japan, and of course are uh, ongoing. <laughs> um, so like the Pokemon company has all of these very intentional decisions that at times like go over the heads, <laughs> the consumers or like, yeah, we're taken over very emotionally by our nostalgia or our expectations or, you know, just wanting things to be like how they were in the previous games. So I don't know. I wasn't upset about the National Dex controversy, but I also have never transferred my Pokemon from game to game. I always like to start with new ones so that I can get to know the new ones, but every user experience is different and that's like part of the magic of Pokemon. So yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about it being a global phenomenon. It just like, uh, am I right in remembering that like, it's like makes as much money like almost as like Disney? Like it, it makes like Pokemon is huge. Like in terms of pop cultural like phenomenon, like across all of the like the video games, the TV shows, the movies, yeah. the toys, the <laughs> the cards. I believe that yeah, Pokemon is the biggest entertainment franchise like I believe it's number one or at least it was a couple of years ago uh everything I say should be fact-checked because I'm not looking at any references but um yes that is my belief top grossing yeah. media franchise thank you yeah. <laughs> number two is hello kitty <laughs> oh, man. yeah so I mean it's, and it's huge and like they they have to deal with this pressure um which um you know fans um and we'll get to that in just a second there, there's a couple other specific things that i wanted to chat about about um like the pokemon world uh and like the theological implications of them and then we can talk about like fandom and um representation and all that good stuff uh but so pokemon for those who are not super familiar uh do have like types so you know andre was talking about that one team wanted fire and one team wanted water and so uh, when you start a game, you have a choice between a fire, a grass, and a water, and they all have strengths and weaknesses against each other. It's rock, paper, scissors. Um, and it started out very simple. Like there was a couple, you know, it was like, uh, I can't remember how many it was in the first generation, six, nine uh, no, types. Like 12 or so. Yeah. Only three have been added. Yeah. But so, but it went from having 12 and there was only, you, you only have one type, but now there's like dual types. So you have Pokemon that are like uh, electricity and fire um, or like uh, dragon and flying or, um, you know, so are these like the question, a lot of, um, a lot of human, uh, a lot of human folks, a lot of conversation about humans and what it means to be human is like, you know, are we born 
like innately better at certain things? Are we born with like certain things like in our brain that will like mature over time? So it's a similar idea there. Like are these Pokemon like, are these innate characteristics about them? Are they like, is it percentage? Like, is it 50-50 split that like uh, Dragonite is 50% flying and 50% dragon? Like what, you know, uh, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so we've been fact-checked. It was 15 original Pokemon types, and so now it's 18. Thank you very much for the fact-check. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think about Pokemon as like this wild, sprawling universe um, that seems to have so many of its own mechanisms that are separate from our universe. Obviously, Pokemon's understanding of physics is very different from ours. <laughs> Um, electricity but, yeah <laughs> yeah there are a lot of things that are different but it's this very obviously human created universe you can just see that in like all of that categorization um and how like comfortable that is for the human mind um it makes it very interesting to dig deeper and be like oh you such and such pokemon you know like Gyarados would make more sense as a water dragon type than as a water flying type, you know? Um, but yeah, it's like obviously intentionally created so that it's something that children can grasp. Um, which then as we start to get older, you start to question all of these things and try to like remake the universe. Some of us might have Word documents that are actually a Word folder of multiple documents. Um, trying to rework the Pokemon universe into something that makes sense. But uh, then we realize that we know nothing about weather or ecology or geography. And then we run into kind of a roadblock, but that's purely hypothetical. <laughs> well, I can say that one is not me. So I will leave the rest of you to do switch <laughs> the two of us. That might be, <laughs> well, I mean, but you know, that's the thing is like, as humans, we, we like easy categories and like uh, to some level to loop it back into, as we think about fans, uh, is that it's made so that it's simple enough that like a kid can understand it. But you have people that really, really, really get into like, they know every statistic, they know how to optimize every statistic, they have like strategies on how to do that. Um, and they know which types have which weaknesses. And like, it, it, it's this game that has like surprising amounts of depth for being something that technically is for kids um, but that tons of adults are also playing yeah definitely it's I mean it speaks to the success of the franchise and the passion that especially like these older fans have behind it that so many people now uh, youtubers and twitch streamers have careers that um, are based on this thing that they didn't create you know largely the games doing competitive gaming um, or, or walkthroughs, uh, playthroughs. Um, they seem to like really reliably get a lot of views. I've seen them even on charity streams, um, people doing challenges with Pokemon. Um, I've definitely watched a 10 hour YouTube video that, that was one of those. So um, yeah, there's a lot for it to offer. You can, you know, you have the types of people who you know, they play through the games, but then they spend like hours and hours and hours just hunting for shiny Pokemon, which are um, Pokemon in the games that are a different color than usual. And like, that's really the only 
different thing about them, but people are obsessed with it. And there are lots of videos of that as well. So yeah, that's leaning a little bit more into fandom as well. well <laughs> so, so speaking of obsession on Joom, who is your favorite Pokemon? If you had no. to pick one, one. I can tell you mine, why you, why you think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that is Sandshrew. Um, and that is because the very first episode I saw on TV of Pokemon was the episode where they in introduced Sandshrew. Uh, coincidentally, on a, on a rewatch, um, he's like being abused by his trainer and there's all sorts of interesting things there. Um, that he's being overworked and like hit with a whip to be trained into being the strongest. And then um, his trainer realizes maybe he shouldn't be so mean to him. Uh, but either way, like I saw this design, I'm like, oh, what is this? Like, this is, this is something new. And Sandshrew has always stuck through as my, as my favorite. Um, I've not gotten a Sandshrew stuffed animal yet. Uh, Bulbasaur suffices for now. Um, I definitely um, told Build-A-Bear that this was for my kid and not for me uh, when I got it. Um, but Oh, I didn't lie about that. I have Pikachu and I have Eevee and me and one of my friends from college just ran into the Build-A-Bear and we're like, we need it now. <laughs> so. Well, no so, <laughs> so who is your favorite? I've given you your, your requisite like one minute to decide yeah. your favorite Pokemon. You know what? That one minute really on top of the like 23 years <laughs> that I've had <laughs> to think about it, it was not enough. <laughs> Um, no, I've never... Okay, a top five? Okay, I can say when I was young and there was only Gen 1, that my favorites were Vaporeon and Articuno because they were the prettiest. But now I've become a much more complex person. <laughs> and so now you have like, I love Bulbasaur because of nostalgia because he was my starter in uh, Pokemon Blue. But like, you know, I love such and such Pokemon because maybe I wrote a fan fiction that like highly featured such and such Pokemon I don't know um so like I don't know I have kind of all of these categories Pokemon that like interest me because of their lore um and Pokemon that I just like their design or like Mudsdale was the absolute king of my Pokemon um Ultra Sun game so like I gotta give him some points um oh you know what I'll tell you Ponyta is my mom's favorite Pokemon. So I'll cop out and just go okay. with my mom's there. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Well, so you mentioned fan fiction. Um, and so we'll we'll move into a rapid fire of a few fan, a fandom sort of discussions here. And then we'll open up for questions from everybody uh, and just general discussion from anybody that's interested. Uh, and of course, for anyone listening later on YouTube or uh, podcasts, like uh, feel free to leave comments and we'll keep an eye on the discussion. Uh, but so, um, fan fiction, Anjum, what is it? Quick definition. What is fan fiction? Oh, okay. <laughs> fan fiction is something that is written by people, um, using an aspect of a fandom. Do I have to define fandom? Like a, a, a piece of media that already exists. So for instance, you might write a Harry Potter fan fiction where you just use the characters of Harry Potter, but maybe they're in our universe or maybe they're in their universe. Or you could write a story with any character that takes place in Hogwarts and that's fan fiction as well. So yeah. And like, a, a, like a fan fiction of Harry Potter, the Pokemon trainer, I'm sure it exists. 
that, yeah, there are crossovers where you use multiple um, fandoms, multiple franchises, uh, pieces of media. So yeah, uh, and people just tend to post them online for free. Um, it's not legal to make profit off of them. So it's just like a fun hobby that lots of people have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so Pokemon really lends itself to it in terms of that as a role-playing game and as a game where like, yes, there's a story, but it's so much of it is about catching the Pokemon, about befriending the Pokemon, developing your team, having like your group that's gonna lead you to be the champion. Like it's, it's an ability to make stories in a fictional universe and to create meaning. Yes. Yeah, in Pokemon, I mean, yeah, that's why it's, it's like my favorite for fan fiction is because the world um, is so vast. So many different things have been introduced in all of the different universes in Pokemon, be it the manga or the anime or the, um, or the games. Uh, and then lots of people write stories with their own original characters that are in the Pokemon universe. Um, you can even write yourself to be in the Pokemon universe. And I think that that's very exciting for a lot of people. Yes, yeah. Check out fan fiction if you haven't ever before. Um, yeah, I have recommendations. <laughs> I don't have any Pokemon recommendations. I do have a Harry Potter recommendation, but I will not publicly endorse it on, on the church's uh, video. Um, us after. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so um, uh, another quick fire one here would be, we have the TV shows. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, Ash is immortal and has never aged. Uh, he's still 11 all these years later. Um, and 10 oh, okay I thought it was man see you just talked about Harry Potter so I got 11 on my mind and uh, with going it's Hogwarts so red red is you know the game equivalent of Ash he's 11 so it's okay, okay. <laughs> Fair. okay um so um the idea of like continuity we live uh we live in this world where you know Marvel has weaved together a gajillion movies and tv shows and is telling like this the story that has continuous threads through everything. And then you have Pokemon where roughly sometimes there's connections. Yes, actually. So red is a good example of that. Yeah, I was just, I was just saying that he starts off at 11. Red um, and blue, the characters from the first um, red, blue and yellow games, they do show up um, in then the second generation which is uh, gold and silver and crystal. And then they show up much later as like seemingly adults in um, sun and moon and ultra sun and ultra moon. Um, and they're also in, you know, let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee, but that's because those are remakes of gen one. Um, so there are some through lines there that I would probably say are like mostly fan service more than like trying to tell a cohesive story because you have that in the anime with um misty and brock who are ash's original travel companions they come back more frequently than other characters do because they're the nostalgic characters they're the ones that have like supposedly as the creators see it the biggest fan base so there are times that like fans seem to have some influence over these decisions that are made I would argue, obviously, no one uh, from the Pokemon company has 
told me this, but you know, certain things make sense. <laughs> so what you're saying is they've personally consulted you. <laughs> no, if they had, you would see very different things happening. I have ideas. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I suppose a final uh, thing before we open for discussion and we leave it for any comments on the video form uh, and turn off the recording part uh, is um, what kind of story is Pokemon telling? So, you know, like with something like Star Wars, you have a very clear, like this whole idea of the hero's journey. Um, what What is the story of, of Pokemon? I, I'm curious your thoughts and then I can maybe share a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, well, once again, we have many, many different stories in Pokemon. I think, yeah, Chosen One, you definitely see that many particular times, especially like in the movies with Ash. Um, he's definitely called the Chosen One in the second movie. Um, so I would say that, but it's like, if it's an adventure narrative, like Lord of the Rings. I don't know anything about Lord of the Rings. That's adventure, right? <laughs> Anju, we have to go back and watch Lord of the Rings in theology now. Um, oh, maybe later. <laughs> see, I was going to say, so uh, my style of playing Pokemon is uh, endlessly grinding so that by the time I go fight like a gym leader, I am like 12 levels higher than them and automatically get through in like two seconds. And it's no challenge at all because I've sat fighting the same battle over and over and over and over until all of my Pokemon have leveled up. So uh, and a very it's boring a, one. <laughs> it's, it's a grind, it's, it's a simulator of, it's of a, the grind, it's the grind of life under capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a leveling up simulator um, telling you that you must level up. No, um, there, there's my, there's my hot take to end this for our video segment. And so uh, okay. if, you're watch if you're watching this later on video or listening in podcast form, thank you for checking it out there. We're going to turn off the recording so that we can have some discussion where folks don't have to worry about being recorded. And uh, so thank you for listening in the later ways. Uh, and um, uh, Zoom apparently thinks I'm about to raise my hand when I do this. Interesting factoids about <laughs> Zoom. It has a sensor apparently now. <laughs> uh, but leave comments. We will watch the video and see um if you want to tell us about your favorite pokemon or about a meaning that you find in pokemon uh 